0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you
2: Listening to following on here on Talksport Two with me Neil Manthorpe and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. So after a short break and a holiday in Abu Dhabi, the third Test between England and India starts in Rajkot on Thursday. Every ball live and exclusive here on Talksport Two. We'll look ahead to that with Ben Stokes set to play his 100th Test match for England. Indian broadcaster Chetan Narula joins us to go through some of uh, their selection headaches, with Virat Kohli ruled out of the entire series now and Sri Asaya absent with injury. Durham wiki keeper Ollie Robinson joins us to reflect on his recent trip to India with the England Lions and we round up the week's other big stories. So plenty to come over the next hour. You're listening to Following On. Tommy, um, we've spoken a lot about um, England going to Abu Dhabi and, and having a break. In fact, uh, I've been semi-obsessed with it uh, over the last couple of weeks. I've written a couple of columns. And, uh, you know, what's really interesting is, to me, the, the, the mental and physical aspect of touring India, particularly the emotional one, um, the grind and the being worn down, Um, has been regarded for many, many decades as an intrinsic part of the experience of of touring India. And very, very few players don't end up mentally and emotionally exhausted at the end of of a tour. I mean, it's a fantastic experience, experience of a lifetime, um, but it is a challenge. And and so for Ben Stokes and Brendan McCallum to say, actually, why? Why do we have to do that? Why do we have to stay in the country, uh, you know, with the... With more cell phones and cheaper data packages than anywhere else in the world, why why would we not escape? And uh, I, I've been I've been absolutely obsessed with it, and I, I just think it's part of their genius. They will challenge anything and every aspect, and that's exactly what they did by going to Abu Dhabi and playing golf and taking the family on water slides.
3: Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like I said a few times when we're in India. I never had a problem with this break because I think this break was the, the right time to go to to Abu Dhabi. You know, I'll, I'll I'll still stand by what I said. You know, going out to Abu Dhabi, going out to India before the test series, but going in between, no problem whatsoever because they can do it now. They've got the financial resources, ECB, to do it now, and, and they've got. I think they've got the bravery to say to the BCCI and to India, "No, we don't want to stay in your country." Because that would have been frowned upon for you know for many many years many years if a team had gone, you know we'll we'll tour your will tour your country but we don't want to stay there all the time that would have been that would have been hell on there would have been uproar the governments would have getting involved so I think because of the way things have gone I think it is a masterstroke by McCullum and Stokes they're going to come back in just enough time to to prepare for the third test and get away from the you know we've seen it sample size matters you know. Standing on the stand on the street. People saying one photo, one photo. There, you know. Just, I mean, no distance between you and the next person. You know, you're standing in a queue, and you can guarantee like somebody will jab you in the ribs because he wants to get past you. Him <laughs> or her wants to get past you. All these things really annoy you when you when you're sometimes in in India. That's nothing against the place. It's just that's the reality of 1.3 billion people in such a short space. <laughs> so I can understand why Ben and Brendan have gone. No. Let's get out of here. Bring the families. We don't want the families to come to India. Don't see the point. We'll get them to Abu Dhabi. We'll go back. Have four days where, you know, by the time you get in and you get out, it's only four days, and you can get some leisure time. So, no, I think that was a masterstroke. You know, I never had a problem with this, this trip, and I don't have a problem with the one between the fourth and the fifth test match because I think they're going to go more down south. I think they're going to go... The rumor is they've got like Goa, Goa area, so they're going to try and get away from the hustle and bustle of the big city centre. And that it does it really does grind you down. Ashes trips are like that. You're in a such a goldfish bowl of in the city centre when there's 15,000 English fans there on holiday, and then you've got the you know, the Australians having a go at you because obviously you're English and you're not playing very well because most of the time when I was there we were getting beat. It it does. It really gets you down. So I'd be intrigued to see what happens if further down the line when when the Ashes is on and one or two other series is that England decide, right, we're going to get out of the city that we're the country that we're in to give us some refreshment of mental refreshment to get ourselves ready to go again. I, just
2: I think, think it's a must Yeah, it's genius I mean, I, I can't get this picture out of my head of an absolutely refreshed Ben Stokes uh, with a couple of rounds of golf in him and uh, some time in uh, the Abu Dhabi shopping malls walking out to toss with Rohit Sharma who meanwhile has uh, been under immense pressure with his squad and, and their selection problems and there's Ben sort of, uh, you know, with the coin and the, the match referee turning to Rohit and saying Oh, what's the score again? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a second tour. It's a second tour, isn't it? Absolutely, and hopefully you'll say we'll have a bat. Um,
3: <laughs> fingers crossed. Be, uh, once that coin goes, who be? It'll be interesting to see who's more relaxed. Is it Richie Richardson or is it Ben Stokes at the toss on the uh, on the on the on the first morning in Riyadh? So, and I tell you what, being more relaxed than Richie Richardson takes some doing. I tell you, but well, I reckon <laughs> hopefully Ben might have had that relaxation period to to enjoy it. And they needed it. They needed it because. India in disarray with their yeah, selections and with people that not being fit. Chetton will probably tell us in a, a, a soon what the state of play is over there. But England have lost Leach. That's a big loss. It really is a big loss. I think he's experienced losing that. Six caps between the other three spinners. But in the grand scheme of things, you've got Ashwin, Jadeja and, and Aksar Patel, Kulip Yadav for, I mean, when you, you look at their numbers, For unbelievable spinners when it comes to England conditions and uh, their sort of their Test careers, but England's young guns are out bowling them at the minute. So you know, while you've got a captain refreshed like Ben Stokes, yeah, England it it is a big loss losing Jack. But I think the the innocence of youth, I think it worked for Ben in the first two Test matches with the way he handled the two the the three young spin bowlers.
2: Okay, as you said, the three spinners have got six caps between them. Let's remind ourselves of what Rian Ahmed said about Ben Stokes' captaincy.
4: When people, like, obviously treat you so well, you want to do as well as you can for them. Um, and that's the thing with this dressing room. They've, they've treated me so well, they've looked after all of us. So whatever the team uh, wants and what, whatever we need, we'll always try and do that. Um, so obviously the way Stokes, he looks after me, Bash, Tommy, uh, confidence, I bowl half-trackers probably every over. Um, and I don't feel like I do. I feel like I bowl like James Ward. So it's like... Uh, just the confidence I get given from the changing room and the backing I get just makes me it makes it so much better.
2: That was Ryan uh having a chat about uh, to uh, Andrew McKenna a couple of days ago about uh, the captaincy of Ben Stokes and we see it time and time and time again and we're going to dedicate part two to um, Ben Stokes. But just um, his leadership is, is astonishing. The effect that he has on young players. I'm um, Ahmed. There saying he makes him feel like he's bowling like Shane Warne. Just a quick word about the batting, Army. Um, do you, I mean, in Hyderabad, it's a Test match that uh, we'll never forget. We knew that at the time. Ollie Pope's 196, uh, the you know, career-defining innings. Are there problems elsewhere in in the batting? Um, you know, there's been an awful lot said and written about Joe Root. Uh, and the shot that he played in Visakhapatnam, Or or do you think it's just a, a sleeping juggernaut waiting to, <laughs> to fire?
3: Uh, at the minute, I'm, I've got no worries whatsoever. I look at this team at the minute and go, you know what? Over five test matches in a series, Joe will get two hundreds. Well, he hasn't got one yet, so we've got three test matches to go. He'll get two in these next three test matches. That's why I, I hold so much hope that England can win for the first time in India. Since 2012, because Besto's due, Besto's due, Ben's due a big one, Besto's due, and Stokes is due. So I mean, and and, and Root's due. So and, I, and 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 they're so such good players that I think the will score runs in in this series. So I can understand what Joe was trying to do. I didn't have a problem with him coming down the wicket and trying to hit it over the top. None whatsoever. He just didn't execute it very well um and i think he's you could see in his face he knew that walking off you know there was nothing wrong with the nothing wrong with the plan it was just execution was wasn't to the standard of a, of a player like joe root but i've got no problem i think that's that's encouraging me more than anything else that england can win is because joe hasn't hasn't had that big score yet and he's the best player of Spain probably outside the, the the subcontinent um and he will he will score runs in the next three test matches and you know, like I said, if he scores runs, holds it together, you know. best will score runs as well. I know there's been a bit of talk about Johnny, but I think best will score runs and so will Stokes. That for me is why I think England will still stand a great chance in this series. But I think the batting's not too bad. You know, it's getting a score from England's point of view. It's how do we get a score? And I don't think anybody's bothered about who's the one that's names in the lights. It's you know, Harley Pope's had a, a, a big innings. They've had a few fifties. But they've they've put some decent numbers on the board. Chasing 300 and plenty in the, in the fourth inning. It's got, got 292 on a wearing pitch. I think as a collective unit, they're doing not too bad. I think individually, one or two will stand up and go, hold on, I probably could take more responsibility for my 30 to get to 100, or two and 80 to 100. But I think the ones that you're probably expecting to get runs haven't got them yet. And the ones that you didn't expect runs because I think all our worries at the top was for me was at the top of the order. Can our one, two, three give us a a solid start to get us in a position to score runs? Well, to be fair, Crawley and Ducker batted really well. Pope's got 190, so I think all in all as a collective unit, they haven't been too bad. It's just individuals might look at themselves and go, "Having getting a start, I probably should have took more responsibility."
2: It's a personal bugbear of Ben Stokes's, isn't it? Uh, He just wants people to be consistent in their criticism. You know, he says, there's no point in saying, oh, Joe Root's whacked that over mid-wicket for six, what a shot. And uh, and then uh, criticizing him, saying it's a terrible shot if he misses it, and uh, and and top edges one up into the air. So I mean, it's a it's a point that makes me laugh, and uh, I'm I know for a fact I've been guilty of it for years. It's very rare that you say, "Oh, that's a terrible shot," and it's gone for six. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, well, it it, it looks a terrible you know shot. Yeah, it
3: was a poor execution of a shot, and I can understand what he was doing. He came down a wicket. You know, the over before, and he, he didn't quite execute it the way he wanted. It went bang over the top, over the top of sort of extra extra cover. He's trying to push the man back. He's trying to hit this one over the top on the leg side to try and push the man back. The minute them two men go back, he gives Robert Sharma the biggest run around that Robert Sharma's had. in And to be fair to Robert Sharma, he kept the feelers up and said, No, we, we want to see you hit it over the top. And unfortunately for Joey, he just mistimed it.
2: If he's in that situation again, I reckon he hits it for six. Yeah, you wouldn't bet against it. You're listening to Following On here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. As we continue to look ahead um, to this week's third test between India and England in Rajkot, live in exclusive commentary here on TalkSport 2 from 3.30am on Thursday. That's the build-up with the first ball from 4am. It's Ben Stokes' time. Um, Who would have thought, actually... Thousands of people probably would have thought that he'd play 100 test matches at the beginning of his career, but uh, there have been a few hiccups along the way, and it is a remarkable achievement. He becomes the 16th England player to play 100 test matches, and um, it, it's, a, it's something that it means a great deal to him. Um, it's, a, it's a very, very special achievement. He would have had a few doubts, Harmy, that he would have reached this milestone, but um, I just wonder, actually, I mean, he's so calm and, uh, and, and uses emotion to channel his energy so effectively. I just wonder whether this little achievement, massive milestone actually, might, um, I mean, he's not going to have a tear in his eye at the start of the game, but um, I wonder actually whether it might prove to be a little emotional distraction for a, a minute or two. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be overwhelming for, for a, a split second. But I think
3: what you'll see over the course of the next four days is Ben deflecting as much attention from his 100th cap towards his team and what an achievement his team potentially could could have. And that, for me, you know, if he wins in India, I mean, you're talking about for the first time I have seen him when he was 15, you, you're thinking, right, he could have an impact on our dressing room. He's a cheeky little so-and-so when he came in the dressing room at 16. And you're thinking he can have an impact in our team. And he did. He made a massive impact in our team when he first came in, got a hundred and he got 50 in Abu Dhabi in his first game um, against the MCC. Um well, we had the benefit matches. And then he went and had a hundred in, in Hampshire on one of his first first class matches. And you see straight away he was there was something special about him. And you knew there was an impact coming even with England. Um, but the impact he's had not only on his team, but his teammates more than anything else. And I think that's his biggest quality is the impact he has on his teammates, what his teammates mean to him, um, and that little little bit extra he goes when his teammates need him. Many, many times when, you know, not so much backs against the wall, but games were in the balance. You're looking around as a teammate going, we need something special. And we, you know, as mere mortals, you can't do it. There's one person who can do it. And more often than not, over the course of his career, whether he's been playing for Durham or he's playing in franchises or more importantly, he's played for England. You know, you can think of, you know, a couple of times in Cape Town, Lords, once in Australia, you know, the, the Heddenley 2019. These iconic moments happen to an individual once in their career. Ben's had it countless amount of times and that for me, what makes makes the, the lad special. So very proud and brilliant to see that he's he's going to get his, his hundredth cap. I can't believe I'm not going to be there to see it. Having been the person on the field in Barbados to give him his 50th cap in the, in the huddle. And that meant a huge amount to me because of what he had gone through and, you know, what a, a superstar of a person he, he is and what he's, you know, he is with the family, but, for not to be there. I'm I'm pretty disappointed not being in, in the middle to see I would imagine Paul Collingwood hand over that that hundredth cap. I don't think there's anybody else in there that from a connection point of view that could give him it. So it would be a special moment hopefully for the Stokes family and for for Collie I think I would imagine he'd be the one that gives him it. So like I said, sixteen people have made hundred test matches. I'm not sure many people have made the impact in that in that time than than you know Benjamin Stokes. <laughs>
2: As you mentioned, um, the 135 not out with Jack Leach's one not out at her Headingley 2019, um, the 258. 258 in a partnership of 399 with Johnny Besto at Newlands in Cape Town in 2016. And this, Harmy doesn't even include the white ball cricket. You know, his uh, his performance in the 2019 World Cup when England won. The 84 not out he made in the final. The super over. And what about the T20 World Cup? You know, coming back from being hit for four sixes by Carlos Brathwaite in, in 2016 to, to winning it with his highest score in the final in 2022 against Pakistan at the MCG. All of those moments. We had a long chat about Oli Pope and... Uh, the players who were lucky enough to produce a career-defining innings. And this army doesn't include any of his bowling. I I mean, the the moment that made the hair stand up most on, on my arms and the back of my neck was when he bowled 12 overs of bouncers in a test match to completely turn the game on its head. You know, that, and I just thought at the time, he has turned this test match up. He's grabbed this test match by the ankles and shaken it upside down till all the change comes out of its pockets. He's turned it right on its head. And I just thought, people won't remember this. They'll remember the, the innings. They'll remember the runs and the sixes and the fours and the glory moments. I mean, there's so much to pick to pick and choose from. There is. And the, the, heavenly one, the heavenly one will always be about
3: the runs that he scored. But nobody would have seen the night before when he bowled a whole session to get England in a position to... To chase down that total Cape Town in 2020 when he bowled, you know, the majority of the deer gets that catch and we all go mental. I think Zach Crawley catched it, didn't he? Zach Crawley farmed it up in the air and, and took the catch. But what we, what, what gets forgotten is he walked out, he walked out with a bat for a, you know, a, a 10, 15 over period, him and Joe Roots, and he just came out from ball one and smashed it and got England in a position to to declare, to win that test match. So, it's not all with the ball or with the bat. Tends these te- these moments go hand in hand. But it tends to be both that he uh, that he does. And you know, little little sample size that fielder to had it. You know, the, the ridiculous run out we had when we were in over in India during the first two Test matches. He has been you know a, a special individual for England. And yes, he's had bumps in the road. Yes, there'll be people who who love to you know pour cold water on things he's had he's had some in different times you know he he had to he had the personal issues um that he, he he took a break from the game from um i think that was largely down to losing probably the greatest influence in his life um his dad was a wonderful man and i mean a i mean a strong human being the only person that Ben Stokes was ever frightened of was jed <laughs> you know, i remember many many times sitting in a dressing room when he was being like being a bit cheeky out like right, i'm gonna phone jed and when it to... He completely changed as a person because jed was in a, such a such a, a a massive influence on Ben but a tough tough man tough character and he's the only one that really that Ben listened to um so to lose to lose that in your life I was massive for Ben and to come back from that and you see when he has a celebrate he always points towards you know the great man in the sky that took some character that's probably I'd, I'd love to know you know I'd love to know in an in-depth conversation you know, heart to heart with Ben, yeah. You know, how in his, in his life of achievements coming back from, you know, because losing a parent, I mean, it's, I've still got mine, so I don't know what it's like, but to lose the character that, that Ben lost, I would say Ben's, one of Ben's biggest achievements is to, to get over what he went through from a personal point of view and that. And then obviously there was a, there was the issue at, at Bristol when he came back strong from that. He's, um, an immense character this lad and to get to 100 test matches and hopefully more because I still think there's there's a lot more to come from Ben and driving English cricket and driving world cricket into a place from a test match point of view that I don't think has been seen before. And I think we're starting to see the influence of Stokes and McCollum. I think over the course of the next two or three years and Australia are aware, if Ben was to be successful during them periods, wow! I think Test match cricket not only will be alive, but I think it'll be a be a completely different game to the one when he started his career, well, a hundred Test matches ago.
2: And finally, a year ago, you were talking about as Owen Morgan as one of England's greatest ever captains. You said uh, he might be a white ball specialist, but you, how can you not include him in the list of of great England captains? Mm. And I know it's uh, it, it's. Um, some people will say it's premature, only two years into his captaincy tenure. But given the number of people that said at the time, don't make him captain, don't give him the captaincy, look what happened to Ian Botham. <laughs> you know? um, but but two years, just, just two years, in, do you think that already he has... Well, I was going to say he's forced his way into the conversation about great England captains. He's not interested in forcing his way in. It's us who put him in, into that conversation. Because, to my mind, the the way that he's he's changed the game and the the team that he inherited with one win in seventeen Test matches, even though it's only two years into his tenure, I I think that it's entirely legitimate to include him in a conversation about England's greatest captains.
3: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you you have to have that because he's changed the the changed the outlook of what Test match cricket was for the for me for the better. Test match cricket was dying on its backside, and he's he's grabbed a by the scruff of the neck and 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 transformed it. Owen Morgan will be will be along with the likes of you know, Andrew Strauss, Sir Alex Cook, one of the best captains that's gone because he won things. Owen Morgan won things. You know, I, I always go off test match records. Owen Morgan didn't have the greatest test match records, but he had a brilliant way of having an impact on the game and making his team be very, very successful, culminating and winning in um, in England Lords in 2019. So he has that, you know, that's why he's one of England's best ever, ever captains. I think Ben's is different. Ben's is can I change the game? The biggest thing for me was don't make him captain. And and I I agreed with a lot of people, don't make him captain, right? But one thing happened, one thing happened to completely change that opinion of mine, and that was Rob Key. If Ben Stokes is captain of England and nobody listens to him, or he becomes another captain, Joe Root, Root, did he get his wear? Did he not get his wear? Were people listening to Joe Root? Was that mindset of stiff upper lip, ECB over there, England cricket team over there, captain stuck in the middle going... You know, I'm not. I'm not getting everything I really need or everything I really want. I think the big difference for Ben Stokes is the minute he had somebody listening to him that this is the way we're going to play, and then you you throw in McCullum alongside him, then all of a sudden you make him captain because he has a chance to change. Ben Stokes changes it because people listen to him. People believe that this is the road and the journey we're going to go on, and the process that we need to go through to get us to the position that we want to be. I don't think before Rob Key, people would have listened to Ben Stokes and I think you would have gotten a coach like possibly, you know, a friend of a friend of the show, Gary Kirsten. And then all of a sudden you might have had two people at loggerheads and eventually it would have gone bang. Now for me, if you listen to Ben Stokes, you put McCullum alongside him. I think the whole thing was a match made in heaven. And I think that's why we're getting the results that we're getting. Um, And, who on earth would have thought during the middle of an Indian tour to go to Abu Dhabi for five days? <laughs> I don't think the ECB would have listened if the previous regime was in. You know, I'm nothing against Ashley Jars and people like that who were directors of cricket before. There's no way in the world they would have had the, I would have said, the bravery. I was going to say something else there. <laughs> I can't swear the bravery to go, no. We're going to Abu Dhabi. We're going to get away from this pressurised situation. We are going. And I think that's just a little example of why you, why Ben Stokes is the right person for the job because somebody listened to him. If they didn't listen to him, I'm not sure two years down the line he'd still be captain.
2: And no doubt we'll be hearing plenty from Ben. My biggest concern actually was uh, the amount of off-field duties that the England cricket captain has to perform. Uh, I thought that he might struggle to do those, but um, he's been the... Absolute model of patience and uh, and dedication. And uh, you watch him doing fulfilling his media duties, you just wonder. You know, it's not no great surprise that previous captains have have, have struggled with their form because they don't get time to get into the nets and and play he's got, doing that he's much nice, media. He's got
3: honesty, he's got empathy, they're great qualities of the person. You know, the, the, the cricketer is an unbelievable cricketer, superb talent. He can do the things that not many others can even dream of, but actually the person is even better. And that for me is why he does two hour media beforehand. He gives you answers. You might not want the answers you get because he, he can, he can tell you the truth. And sometimes people don't like the truth, but the, the the sort of empathy, the humbleness that Ben Stokes has got is why he, every time he goes in the field, there are, I mean, he goes out there with gladiatorial status because there's 10 people standing behind him going, I am right behind you and I'm coming with you. Wherever you want me to go, I will I will go because he'll not do something that he doesn't ask you know,
2: of himself. And a reminder, you can hear live and exclusive ball-by-ball ball commentary of Ben Stokes' 100th test match here on TalkSport2 this Thursday from 3.30am. You're listening to Following On here on Talksport Two with me, Neil Manthorpe and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmson. Next up in Part Three, we'll focus on India uh, and discuss how Virat Kohli's absence will impact their chances of victory in the series.
0: Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united Healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for
1: you learn more at uh1.com the following on podcast is proudly sponsored by barbados tourism if your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket then i have some excellent news
2: You're listening to Following On here on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, along with former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And if you have missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the Following On feed. Available as always from the Talksport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Chet Narula, who was uh, a very valuable and popular member of the commentary team for the first two test matches is uh, is will be heading to Rajkot by himself for the third test match and uh, so much uh, to chat to you about, Chet it's great to see you again by the way um, sorry we, we won't be with you in Rajkot but my goodness me while uh, Harmi and I have just been talking about England playing golf and going to theme parks and water slides <laughs> in, in Abu Dhabi, meanwhile um, all the pressure seems to be on India and, you know, the news that Virat Kohli will miss the whole of the, the series. Um, just so many talking points as well. Um, Jadeja and and KL Rahul still needing to prove their fitness. My gosh. I mean, you would get the impression that the Indian team was in disarray. I'm sure that's not the case, though.
5: Well, you know, while England are in Abu Dhabi enjoying some time off, Indians, I mean, they, they have a long list of hospitalizations, if I can say so. Ravindra Rajareja, I think uh, he's on the cusp of being ruled out of the series. I'm not sure if he's going to be available before the fifth test, if at all. Obviously, there was always a question mark on Mohamed Shami not being available. KL Rahul, five minutes before we started recording, five minutes before we started recording, there are news doing the rounds in Indian media that KL Rahul has been ruled out of the Rajpur test. This is two days after he's been included in the squad for the next three test matches. And Devdutt Parikal has been called up. So you have Devdutt Parikal, you have Sarfraz, you have Rajat Patidar. And, uh, you know, that's going to... And Iyer, mind you, was fit and has been dropped. He's, he's not unfit. He's been dropped from the test side. So we are going to see a couple more debutants in, um, in this test match for India. Uh, I'm not sure if they are panicking right now, but this is not the strongest batting lineup that is going to take the field in Rajkot.
3: Yeah, you, you mentioned not the strongest batting lineup, and obviously no Virat Kohli, which is which is massive. You think Rohit Sharma misses Virat Kohli, the the actual leader on the field as well as the batter? Because I think you're talking about you know disarray manners, but you talk about who's not playing from a seniority point of view. But it looks as though from a captaincy point of view, he looks sometimes rudderless as well. He looks a bit clueless. You're know, letting things drift where I'm not sure Virat Kohli being on the field, that would happen.
5: Um, I think he does miss Virat Kohli. I think uh, to say no, that would be just foolish. I mean, obviously, Indian cricket misses Virat Kohli. He's our star player, star batter. When he's on the Test match arena, I mean, you were there for the first two Test matches. I think you you witnessed that the crowd were missing Virat Kohli, the kind of energy that he brings onto the field. Whether in terms of the captaincy decisions, uh, would Virat Take a say in that. I mean, I I know that he always likes to be in the years of Rohit Sharma, trying and seeing, you know, if he can contribute in terms of fielding positions or bowling changes. I'm sure he would have had his inputs in both Hyderabad and uh, Visakhapatnam. So overall, there is just no doubt in my mind that Rohit Sharma misses somebody like uh, Virat Kohli, who has so much experience as a skipper, so much experience as a batter. Just the bottom line: Indian cricket misses Virat Kohli, but at the same time, we wish him well. Whatever the situation with him and his uh, family is, and you know, hopefully they recover well, and he is back on the cricket field doing what he does best.
2: Had this extraordinary situation, didn't we, of Ab de Villiers uh, inadvertently <sighs> announcing uh, the arrival the imminent arrival of a of a second child for and uh, his and his wife which is and then and then uh, attempting to retract it, which is difficult when you 've got one and a half million followers on youtube but um, I, I mean that's um, that really that must have been a, a huge distraction um but with so much time between test matches i I know that the voracious Indian media will sometimes um, Take the tiniest scrap of potential news and, and turn it into a story. But I did see something uh, yesterday uh, that um, Barrett um, might be dropped in place of Young Wicketkeeper Bada Dhruv Jurel, which I'd be I'd be surprised at, given that you've already intimated there might be two or three other debutants.
5: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, the Indian media does like to keep itself busy, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> uh, look the big the big talking points after the second Test match were. You know, what is going to be the situation with the test squad? We got the answers for that in terms of fitness, the availability or the unavailability rather of Virat Kohli. Um, now it's about orchestrating that batting lineup. And uh, with Kiel Rahul now missing, with Virat Kohli missing and Shreyas Iyer dropped. By the way, we had to figure out ourselves that Shreyas Iyer had been dropped because um, the BCCI media release really did not mention that. They didn't mention anything about his back spasms as well which we had talked about um, on our talk TalkSport uh, podcast earlier. So he was fit and fine. He was dropped because of a poor run of scores. So yeah, from that perspective, you're looking at Rohit Sharma, Yashasvi Jaiswal and Shubman Gill at the top three. Then who bats at four and who bats at five and who bats at six? Because again, at number six, you know, if you have Akshar Patel at number six and at number seven, you have Shikhar Bharat and then you have Ravi Chandra Ashwin, that's, that's, that, that's, a, that's quite a few gaps in that batting order. So the debate over the last couple of days has been, do we need a wicketkeeper batter who obviously excels with the clubs? Because you need that with these turning pitches. But at the same time, he needs to show more application, a bit more temperament in picking his shots, and probably add a few more runs. And Shikhar Bharat has had a bit of run in test cricket now. Obviously, he did not play in the West Indies where Ishan Kishan was a part of the side. But apart from that, he's been part of the Indian squad and he's not scored a lot of runs. And that has been a major, major cause for concern for India, especially when you have Aksar Patel batting at number six and now ever more, because you do not know who's going to be batting at number four and five. So, from that perspective alone, this debate has been raging whether Dhruv Jurel should be given his test debut. But again, with Rajat Patidar only one test old. And the fact that somebody like Devdutt Parikal or Sarf khan might be given their uh, test debuts in Rajkot, you would think that uh, Shrikhar Bharat would be you know, given maybe just that one more test match.
3: Chess, does India need to take a, a leaf out of Ben Stokes and Brendan McCollum's mentality rule book? Because you've just mentioned, well, five or six, you look Kohli's gone, you know, Shami Shami's not going to be there, Rauls might not be there, Jadeja might not be there. Giving him four or five debutants and the world's ending and India feel as though you know, you know, where we where are we gonna get our next sort of good bit of news from? Ben Stokes has gone into a series with now, he's now played two test matches. He's got six, six caps between his three spin bowlers with Jack Leach ruled out. I know he's just been to Abu Dhabi for a you know a four or five day holder, but Ben Stokes comes back with a mentality of well, it doesn't matter, we'll take you on and we'll give you a go and we'll we'll give you the game. And the mentality around McCullum and Stokes is no matter what we've got, we still feel as though we can beat you. And we'll do everything we possibly can to be proactive to beat you. Where all of a sudden India now, you know, the world's ending. Everybody feels sorry for them because you're missing five or six, you know, big, big players and have to give debuts out. Is that is that the mentality shift that where India's cricket is at at this moment in time and the pressure that's on to what happens with Ben Stokes who just goes... I don't matter who I will go into 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 the battle with. We I I can make sure these ten players will believe we can win. Uh,
5: well, yes, I think that's a very interesting point, and that's why I think uh, the victory in Wizak meant so much to Rohit Sharma. You know, we were there. We saw his reaction to that win. He was already playing with a very very you know weakened side or a very young side with that lot of inexperience in that batting lineup. So from that perspective, that victory meant a lot because even yourself had raised question marks about his captaincy, especially. The way he was setting fields and the way he was making those bowling changes, so that victory meant a lot. And now there's further trouble on his plate to sort out. So from from that uh, from that particular point, maybe Rohit Sharma would would think that okay, you know what, this is what I, these are the cards that I've been handed, and now I have to make best use of that. Now coming to the point about being very very proactive or doing the way doing things the way Ben Stokes does, I'm not sure about that because. Rahul Dravid has come across as a very, very conservative coach. I mean, you look at Mukesh Kumar, who bowled, what, six overs in Wysak? In or or look at Mohamed Siraj, who bowled, what, another six overs in Hyderabad. Do you really need a second pacer on those tracks? They've been decent tracks, but do you really need a second pacer? You don't. You, you can go in with one pacer and your three spinners or three and a half spinners, play Washington Sundar, or you can play an extra batter. But India have been really conservative with their approach. They've tried to balance things out. I'm not sure they're going to take things head-on. They're going to say, okay, you know what? On these surfaces, even if you're handing test debuts to the likes of Padikal or Sarf Khan, they're still going to do well because they know how to bat on these surfaces. So they will show confidence in just that bit and pick the best 11 players they think can do the job. And on, on the Rajkot surface, which I'm hearing is going to be absolutely flat because... Rajkot likes five day test matches <laughs> you know they just like five day test matches they don't want mm-hmm. test matches to be short i mean the last time england played in rajkot 2016 we got a draw and india were in a bit of spot of bother on day 5 uh, but virat kohli batted that uh, day out but yeah it was it was a it was an absolute draw there was nothing in the pitch for the for the bowlers so again i think india will again pick two paces and say okay you know what this is the approach that we are going to go in with allowing Bumrah to bowl both with the new ball and the old ball and then perhaps use the second pacer uh, with the new ball. So they're going to be conservative. They're not going to take things head-on just because Ben Stokes likes to do that.
2: I love it. They'll pick two seamers and play one.
5: (laughs) It's great. Yeah, they will.
2: will. I love it. I love it. All right, Jets. Well, low-slow-turner is your prediction, um, which gives us uh, plenty of time to talk to you um, during the test and uh, and afterwards. So enjoy the game, and uh, we look forward to catching up. Cheers. That was Chet Narula, who, as I said, uh, formed a, a crucial part of our commentary team during the first two test matches. And a reminder, you can still hear live and exclusive ball-by-ball commentary of the third test between India and England here on TalkSport 2 this Thursday from 3.30am. You're listening to Following On here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe and the former number 1 bowler in the world Steve Harmison and a reminder that you can now watch us on YouTube as well just head over to the Talksport Cricket YouTube channel to subscribe now as promised delighted to say we're joined by Ollie Robinson who looks in uh, in pretty good nick uh, after a month in Ahmedabad um which uh, in itself uh, presents a challenge well done Ollie on the England Lions tour um a couple of 80s and uh how was it um you know it was a, it was a looked like a High scoring, well, mostly high scoring, pretty competitive series.
4: Yeah, no, it's a really good series actually, and it's really nice to get out there and play in in different conditions. And it was it was a weird one really because we kind of went into the series thinking it was going to be a bit like the the first Test was kind of spinning pitches, but a lot of the wickets actually were taken by steamers. So that actually it throws a different aspect to it. um But no, it was a really good series. There were. Very competitive, they were uh a very good group of lads, and and yeah, kind of would have been nice to have come away with a, a draw at least, but but yeah, it is what it is.
3: And it was good for Durham, you know, and i always wish <laughs> Durham's name as much as I possibly can early. So it was a great trip for Durham because Carcy yourself and Pottsy all all sort of stole some some headlines. And when you look yeah. at you know what's coming up, you look at best and folks, they're in their 30s, Potts and Cars are. Yeah, going to be challenging from a seamers point of view? It's a good time to be, you know, from the northeast county.
4: Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially with next year coming up as well, back in Devon. Um, I think we're in a really good space. Um and yeah, I think if, if we can keep Carsi and Potsy around and fit and and whoever, um, obviously with Boland as well, um, I think we can really, really challenge next year. And and if our batting fires like it did last year, then then yeah, who knows where we could be. But yeah, obviously with the addition of Parkey as well coming in, um, He's going to be big for us this year as well. Obviously, having his brother last year, but we've got Callum now, so uh, so yeah, it should be good.
2: Ollie, I'll never forget six years ago when uh, Talksport did our first tour in Sri Lanka, and uh, Matt Pryor was part of the commentary team. And do you remember Josh Butler and Johnny berstow were were both mm-hmm. in the squad, and Ben Fokes was introduced, and uh, and Matt Pryor said this is going to cause problems, or this could cause problems for years to come. He said you you absolutely need clarity. On the wiki-keeping situation, and I, I kind of—I mean, I know it's a bit awkward for you to talk about England, but sort of in general terms, do, do you think it's a, a tricky situation with with Johnny Burstow regarded as the better batter and Ben Folks as the better keeper, and, and using them in conditions which they are perhaps most effective? I mean, is horses for courses a thing with wiki-keepers
4: Yeah, I, I think so. I think I've kind of always been down the route of obviously as a keeper myself, like you'd always pick your best keeper as, as you do. And I feel like kind of cricket and, and football have been quite similar in the recent years. Like it we went through a phase of kind of you pick your best batter who keeps and like and football's now that you, you pick your best outfielder to playing goal in in some <laughs> respects. And um so yeah, I think you, you kinda of go through phases of, of of the way the game goes. But, but like folks is amazing. Like we saw that last week and how he kept in that test. Um and I, and obviously Johnny Johnny did what he did last year in, in the ashes and then before that as well. So so yeah, they, they both rightly deserve their spot in the team.
3: And Ollie, you've got, you've obviously gone from the A-Tour, you've come back from the A-Tour. Um, and a lot of, there'll be a lot of talk about further down the line because there's, there's a T20 World Cup, players getting rested, there'll be a lot more, I think, interaction from the county side of it into the, the England cricket team, whether it be White Ball or Red Bull. How much how exciting are you by the, the way that Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes play their cricket? And feel as though you could you could fit into
4: that group nicely. Yeah, no, definitely. I kind of I've always kind of played that way. Anyway, it's kind of been my my natural game is to to be quite quite aggressive and and quite counter attacking. Anyway, but but the fact the way that uh, Cambo came in at Durham this year and we kind of played that way anyway, I think that makes that transition a hell of a lot easier for for people, uh, especially at Durham where where that's where we play how we play anyway. So so that transition will be fairly well, obviously the, the level goes up, but but the mindset stays the same and. And it's kind of filtered down. I think more and more teams will start playing like that now. And yeah, it, it's a really exciting time to be be around this this kind of setup. And and yeah, obviously love to be playing in higher honours, but you kind of you got to do well with your counties first and, and and push your case. Ollie, will you always
2: have a soft spot for for Kent? Um, you know, having come through the academy, and uh, I mean, uh, have you settled? Are you settled in the East now?
4: Yeah, we, well, we absolutely love it where we are. We, we're in Newcastle at the moment, so it's um. It's a great, great part of the world, but um, but yeah, obviously Kent's got a spe- special place in my heart. I've been there since I was, I was nine or ten, and kind of went through the academy there, and, and grew up with a lot of friends there. But yeah, no, absolutely loving what we're doing at Durham at the moment, and yeah, it's it's a nice change because Can- Canterbury was an hour away from my house anyway, so never really got, wasn't that close to home anyway. So so being a well, lot, obviously, no, it's six hours, but it still feels like <laughs> similar in a way that you're you're not actually on your, your mum and dad's front door. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you, I was gonna ask you why
3: you chose Durham but when you said you living in Newcastle. I think you've just answered that question. <laughs> I'm, I'm forty minutes, further, or twenty minutes further north from Newcastle. I used to live an hour from Chester Street, and it's, it's a wonderful part of the world. And you, you say you're settled in, everything that comes with it. Um, but how big it influences Ryan Campbell being, because it just seems as though the England cricket team took a huge transition from the previous coach to McCullum and Stokes. And it seems as though you know, I've seen the back end of, of uh, James Franklin's uh, tenure with killer. And you look at the team now and the mindset now compared to what it was um, the previous coach, it just seems to be a, a completely different place.
4: Yeah, and, um, the T20s uh, last year. But, but the way Cambo's been, is it's been a bit of a fresh air for a lot of the, the lads that have been there for a long time. Uh, the likes of like, your Ben Rains, Graham Clarks and your Coggers that, that live and breed Durham. It's a it's a breath of fresh air because I think at times with our previous regimes it was very much how can we survive and how can we how can we how can we get a draw out of this game. Whereas now Cambo's very much like he'd rather lose the game trying to win it than than draw it. And, and I think the way he's been as well with other with people, especially like someone like Clarky, who, who kind of didn't really get didn't get his opportunities under other other people. But I think Cambo pigeonholed him pretty early as as someone that he could really impact our team, and it showed this year with a bit of a bit of backing and a bit of consistency, like you you can do anything. Um, and yeah, he took his opportunities and, and did really well. So I think, yeah. So the fact that he he backs people and and the aggressive nature that he plays at, he's he's freed a lot of people up.
3: And you know, talking about being back in the first division, you mentioned Callum Parkinson, you mentioned Scott Boland, along with you know one or two others that are that have done really well for Durham over the course of the last twelve, eighteen, twenty-four months to get, you know, Durham back into the into the sort of higher the, the higher league or the, the top division ambitions for this year? Do you go into that first division going, you know what, Suri? We're going to give you a game. We're going to try and chase you down, and you know, we're going to try and win the title.
4: Absolutely, I think mean, you'd be you'd be mad not to the kind of the squad that we've got. And like I said, with Potsy, Carsey, Bowden, Rainey, and then you've got people waiting like Coggers and and Bass on the side. You've you've got a squad of a of seven, eight first first team bowlers there. And that's what you need to compete. The likes of Surrey and all these teams at the top, that's what they've got. They've got a rotation policy where you can rotate your seamers and and keep everyone fit at at the same time. Um, And yeah, uh, especially being away with, obviously mixing with different people from different counties. I think teams actually do see us as a bit of a threat this year, which is really nice to hear. But but obviously it is going to be a step up and it's going to be different. Uh, There's a bit more traveling down south. I just didn't realize a lot of it is the Essex, the Kent, the Surrey's. So, so yeah, it's, it's, um, it'll be good, it'll be a good challenge.
3: Yeah, you mentioned the you mentioned the challenge of the travelling from down south. Kesey, obviously, who lived in Kent, who hated everywhere outside the M25. <laughs> he, he he made a great point about Durham when we were strong in this sort of late late two thousand. It was our know, teams would beat the cold if the cold didn't beat them. The bus tripped up because they didn't realise it was two hours further from Leeds. <laughs> um, and then if you if you got past all that, then you had onions, plunk Plunkett, show you back to our when we had show him, we're gonna knock your head off. So you're now starting to get back to that mentality of teams coming to the northeast. Going, you know, joking aside, I don't really fancy going up there and playing because right. not only they're a good side, the, the conditions are you know, pretty, are pretty, sometimes pretty extreme, especially in April and start of May.
4: Absolutely. And I think we've, we've kind of, we want to kind of make Durham a Manchester Street a fortress. Like you want people to come up and actually fear playing you at your home ground. And and, and as a team, we need to know how to win at home. And, and there might be ways of doing that that I don't know what they are yet. But, but we found a method last year that works. And hopefully, we can try and replicate that this year.
2: Very quickly, finally, from me, Ollie, there's no shortage of good, talented batter keepers in the county championship. Um, but as the Lions uh, keeper, you, you obviously in. In good position. Um, are you in a hurry to 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 play international cricket, or are you happy to to uh, do your thing for Durham and uh, and see how things pan out?
4: Yeah, I think it's a case of you you kind of just you, you do well lower lower down, and you earn the right. And I don't know, you need a bit of luck along the way, I assume, to to get into that. Uh, whether that be injuries or a poor form from someone else. But but then it's about taking your opportunity um, and kind of making your mark on it. So. Yeah, I'm not not in any rush. Obviously, it'd be, it'd be nice to play, but I'm not. It's not the be-all and end-all in terms of of this year for me. I'm, I'm very much focused on doing well for Durham and and uh, seeing what happens after that.
2: Well, well done in India, and uh, well done for for. I'm sure you had a great time in Ahmedabad. I've just got a little bit of a thing personally about the play, but well, well done and uh, <laughs> well kept, well um, and well batted, and uh, thanks, very guys. good luck for the season coming up.
4: Yes, yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks a lot.
2: That was England Lions keeper Ollie Robinson uh, on the line. We've only got a couple of minutes, Harmy, for uh, any other business, and uh, we've missed a couple of weeks, so there's uh, an awful lot to catch up on. I've got to ask you about the ECB pulling Mark Wood out of uh, the IPL. That was uh, interesting. Um, An obvious selection in Shamar Joseph, the uh, West Indian, to to replace him at Lucknow Supergiants. But, um, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I know Woody's 34 now. But I, I, I got the impression that he was really looking forward to going back to Lucknow.
3: Yeah, I think he was. I think Lucknow been really good to him. Um, in the conversations I've had with Mark, not about this, um, but about how Lucknow have you have, have really looked after and him, made him feel welcome when he wasn't when he was injured and he missed a bit. So it'll be a blow for not it'll be a blow for Lucknow. It'll be a blow for Mark because I think Mark really enjoys going over and playing in the IPL. But I think once England give him the central contract for three years, then I think especially after five test matches in India and then the IPL off the back of it, I'd have been very surprised if anybody the the, the ECB contracted would have gone on and played in, in the IPL. So no surprise whatsoever that Mark has been pulled out and in Joseph they've got a, you know, they've got a decent replacement. So I think it's not a win-win for everybody, but Look, now have been sort of compensated very well by Joseph being Mark Wood's replacement. But it'll be a blow for Mark because I think he really enjoyed playing in the IPO.
2: And finally, um, it's been a busy time in South Africa with the under 19 World Cup. Australia have won that. I think they now have a complete clean sweep of all the World Cups. The, in the men's and women's game and age group game. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody else has got a, a World Cup on the, on the trophy cabinet, so well done to them. Um, they had needed 15 runs to beat Pakistan in the semi-final from the 10th wicket, so they just scraped into the final and then beat India by 79 runs. And uh, the SA20 Season 2 came to an end with the Sunrisers' Eastern Cape defending their title that they won last year with a massive victory over the Durban Super Giants. Um, and Ricky Ponting confirmed as the Washington Freedom head coach in Major League Cricket. Any of those stories grab you? Massive one in Ponting. Yeah, Australia seem to you know very
3: very good at winning, getting over the line in tournaments, whether it be under nineteen or men and women's senior sides. But I seen a bit of the Sunrisers once they got a big score, that was it, game over. I didn't think I didn't think Dubai were going uh, Durban were going to get anywhere near it. But the Ricky Ponting one worries me a little bit because that there is the only competition I think that is in competition with English competitions, i.e. the 100 or with the Blast, and signing somebody like Ricky Ponton as a statement. And if ECB don't you know, bring the cash to the table from outside financial franchises that can could possibly come in, then the the American League might just get bigger and bigger and you might see a lot more than the likes of Alex Hills and Jason Roy going over from an English point of view to miss the Blast and go and play in um the MLC. So I think that is a it's not a blow, it's a, from English cricket, because I think English cricket needs to get their, you know, T twenty stuff in order from a from a financial point of view. But it's a huge coup for um MLC cricket
2: because Ponton is a massive, massive name. And yeah, fair play to them. Good on them it's a shot across the bows isn't it and this week's final word goes to umpire Gerard Aboud in the uh, one day international or T- t20 international between australia and the west indies i don't know whether you saw this but uh, alzari joseph penultimate ball of the match game over it was run out by the length of the pitch um and nobody appealed so the umpire gave him not out told the players to get on with it said you didn't appeal no, there's a law for everything i suppose yeah, law for everything. Common sense comes. It doesn't.
3: Does it come into cricket? Doesn't. We've seen some absolute ridiculous decisions recently. Yeah, you know, the young kid picking a ball up. The the common sense is that is that a law? I remember, Sir Bobby Robson having a right rant at a, at a reporter talking about a refereeing decision, which he looked at a reporter and said, "There's no law called common sense," but unfortunately, it should be the biggest law and the best law of the game. And common
2: sense didn't prevail unfortunately (laughs) yeah there's an interesting debate about the difference between common sense and the spirit of cricket but that we don't have time for this week we'll do another (laughs) show on that (laughs) you've been listening to Following On here on TalkSport2 with me Neil Manthorpe alongside former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. and if you missed any of the show uh, and you want to catch up you can download the podcast from the Following On feed available as always from the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts we'll be back at the same time next week to look back at the third test between India and England in Rajkot, But for now, this has been another episode of Following On.
1: The Following On podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final... You can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org